Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include, but are not limited to, professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Viewer discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ, therefore, forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin, and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. Welcome to Bible Bash, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry by answering the questions you're not allowed to ask. We're your hosts, Harrison Kerrigan, Pastor Tim Mullet, and today we seek to answer the age-old question, are the best women actually men, or should we stop praising pathetic losers? So a little setup in terms of the backstory of this episode, Tim and I were actually planning on covering a completely different topic uh, for this week. However, some recent current events caused us to change plans pretty quickly. Um, essentially, if you've been listening to the podcast, if you've listened to a lot of our recent episodes, you'll realize that we've been covering uh, male, female, biblical roles a lot uh, over the past few weeks. And that's been purposeful, and we really wanted to do that. And this week, we decided that we wanted to move on to some other topics that are important and need to be talked about as well. Um, but like I said, these current events came up and we both decided, all right, we've just, we've got to talk about this. Uh, you know, basically we made a solemn vow to move on, but then, uh, we pulled an equalizer. We had an equalizer moment. Uh, if you've seen that movie where we had the solemn vow that we didn't, we didn't want to violate, but then something really bad happened uh, that forced us to make a special exception this one time. Um, so here we are talking more about uh, uh, male, female, uh, how we should how we should view gender in terms of the Bible. Uh, and it's all because of these two current events. And so if you haven't heard these two current events, uh, the first one being involving Richard uh, Levine, who is uh, the secretary of health right now. <clears throat> so he works for the government, uh, very high up, um, pretty powerful position, I assume. And uh, USA Today awarded him an award, which is, you know, sounds, you know, great, cool, whatever. The problem is the award that he was given uh, was woman of the year. So remember, this guy's name is Richard and he was given woman of hey, the year. Hey, he's going by Rachel now. So I, I guess uh, that's all that matters, huh? Yeah. I mean, just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess that's all it takes to be a woman. Apparently it's just change a few letters in your name and all of a sudden you're a woman now. But anyways, he, he's, he's been given woman of the year, um, essentially stolen the award from whoever came in second place. Um, so we have that story that comes out and then in the same week, essentially you have another story, uh, involving college swimming. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of you are out there are rabid NCAA college swimming fans but for those of you who aren't aware uh the there's a there's a guy named william thomas uh who's a man and he was ranked 462nd in terms of men's swimming which honestly i mean that that sounds like a you know pretty low ranking i mean there's 461 people who are better than you but honestly it's it seems like you know um 
there's a you know there's got to be at least some a lot talent faster than me probably some talent there you know to be ranked uh like sub 500 you know i don't know how many college swimmers there are but there's got to be some talent there on his part but he's certainly not the best in terms of men swimming obviously um so what he what he did he hatched a plan and that plan was to instantly become a woman by changing his name uh to leah leah thomas and so once he did that and started competing against other women uh in swimming instantly he became number one in women's swimming uh and so he was breaking a bunch of records winning a bunch of races and most recently he actually just won the ncaa women's swimming national championship so you have these two stories of guys who are essentially stealing awards away from women keep in mind too apparently march is actually women's history month which is pretty comical if you think about it with with what's going on right now women's history month essentially women's history month is turning a lot more into march madness at this point uh, with everything going on and so we're looking at all this, Tim and I, and saying, okay, we've got to talk about this. We can't just leave this alone. It's fresh on everyone's mind. We need to help people understand how do we need to, uh, as Christians, think about what's going on? How should we view this? It feels like this is wrong on so many levels. And and so, uh, Tim, you know, why don't we just, maybe the most helpful place to start would just be to ask the question, you know, this seems wrong on so many levels. How in the world did we even get here as a society where we're, you know, stealing awards away from women, giving them to men who are pretending to be women, who are pulling like a Mrs. Doubtfire or, or, or something and, um, and calling it progress? How, how did we get here as a society overall? Well, it is uh, quite the remarkable thing when you think about it that uh, we're living in a society right now that's so hostile to the patriarchy, but then uh, somehow we've found a way to basically be giving uh, all these awards that should be going to women to men. And so it's a, it certainly is a very uh, perplexing uh, kind of phenomenon when men seem to be the root problem of all of societal ills and are now being praised as the best uh, examples of females. And so certainly it's ironic. But uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know, man. Like it, we used to live in the kind of society where if uh, if a guy were to, you know, beat on women in sports or something along those lines, there would be a lot of uh, public uh, shaming, uh, perhaps even, um, you know, a good uh, uh, roughing up uh, that would happen <laughs> to, to that kind of uh, individual who uh, dared to do that. I mean, I, I, I know, you know, for myself playing in sport, I used to play sports in uh, high school and, you know, we, um, you, 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 you go play uh, sports at the park or something along those lines and something profoundly different happens when you're, you know, playing street ball at, at a park and a girl comes up and wants to play with the men. Uh, it's one of those things where, um, you know, you can, you can imagine like, and you're not really allowed to talk about what psychologically is happening there, but every, every guy kind of knows what happens in that kind of scenario, particularly if you are the uh, misfortunate guy who happens to be the one who has to guard the girl or something along those lines, or you're getting guarded by the girl, uh, instantaneously the game fundamentally changes to the point where, uh, you know, if you if you try at all, then you're going to get mocked mercilessly for being that guy who is scoring against <laughs> a girl. Uh, but then, you know, if if she scores against you, then you're going to get mocked for having a girl score against you, you know, it's the classic lose, lose situation. <laughs> right. But then if you, you know, so, but then if you look like you're trying to stop her from scoring, right. Then, then it's just like, Hey man, you know, chill out. You're playing against a girl. Right. <laughs> and so, so you have to basically try to figure out some way to look like you're not trying, uh, but then try enough so that she doesn't score on you, but, but not try too hard to where it looks like you're trying uh, to keep her from scoring on you. And then, you know, when you get the ball, you have to basically, you know, pass it or pretend like, uh, you know, you, you're, uh, 
not trying very hard. And the game fundamentally changes. But but as I'm saying, we used to live in a kind of society where um, that kind of thing. I mean, there was social pressure against a guy, you know, going and playing sports against women, or com- competing at uh, sports against women. Or you know, you can imagine just uh, the kind of uh, mockery that an individual would be subjected to if he had the audacity to you know dress like a woman and. Um, uh, you know, enter into a beauty pageant or something like that. <laughs> so we've we've basically lost our mind. But yeah, I, there's a lot of things that are happening along those lines that um, really are quite troubling and quite uh, strange. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, with the civil rights movement and the women's rights movement, uh, there um, one, one of the things that's happened is that uh, our societies realize that there is great uh, power. Uh, to be found in uh, identifying uh, oneself as a uh, marginalized class. Uh, so, you know, with the uh, civil rights movement, there was like legitimate reason for um, that along those lines. Uh, but then, you know, as um, as individuals have seen the success of the civil rights movement, then, you know, essentially the logic changed from, you know, minorities, whether, um, you know, uh, racial minorities, if you want to use that term, or even gender minorities, even though what's strange about that is women outnumber men, but leave that alone just for a second. But then uh, the logic now has become gay is the new black, and now transgenderism is kind of the new gay, and then, you know, we're pretty soon it'll be pedophiles and, you know, um, and everything else. And so there's been this uh, larger project based on critical theory that has essentially problematized um, every societal interaction uh, and, and perceives the world in uh, terms of uh, different um, power dynamics that are going on. And so uh, you have a lot of things that are happening along those lines. The, the introduction of critical theory into our minds where we view the world through the lens of oppressor classes of people and the oppressed classes of people. And then if you you know can uh, lay claim to that uh, oppressed uh, victim label, essentially, then uh, you you know you're going to be able to get uh, societal privileges that come from that, and then you, you add some postmodernism to that, and essentially, uh, what happens is that uh, objective truth isn't really real anymore, and all that matters is how a person perceives himself to be. So there's no such thing as anything that's objective and fixed, uh, as far as that goes. It just matters how you feel. And then the more our society has become uh, more of a matriarchal society, essentially uh, feelings uh, matter much more than objective reality or facts at this point. And so uh, largely what's happened is you've gotten to a point where um, you're living in a society right now where you know something that would be just embarrassing and humiliating and the kind of thing that society would mock and, you know, perhaps like, you know, you, you might beat someone up for like, you know, picking on a girl in that kind of way. Uh, there was societal pressure along those lines that now, you know, basically everything like bullying is like this big concept now that's happened and like everything, it revolves more about like how people feel and protecting the victim and basically like enabling a victim to, uh, to, uh, basically giving a victim just this pass to basic whoever's perceived to be a victim you're giving them basically just this status of sainthood where you're like the chosen people now (laughs) yeah i mean you can essentially do no wrong and be criticized in any possible way and so all these things are culminating in to you know just the broader reality that an individual that we used to identify as a pathetic loser now is um being universally praised by society so it's it's um it's kind of strange doesn't that you you bring up the pathetic loser thing doesn't that feel a little unchristlike though i mean that's part of our title question uh but certainly there's going to be people who come along and listen to this and say hey all right this is obviously like you're not being like christ calling someone a pathetic loser uh so so what would you know what's the reasoning uh behind using a term like that <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, Jesus literally never used pejoratives in his life, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you brood of vipers who warmed you to flee from the wrath to come. You know, you whitewashed tombs. Uh, uh, you know, like I, people just haven't really read the Bible and they don't um, understand the kind of language that's actually appropriate for these kind of scenarios. But you know, I think. Um, Part of what's happening is uh, when you think about something along these lines is that uh, essentially um, there are scenarios that 
where an individual is preying upon uh, another individual, that uh, strong language needs to be used in order to um, rebuke that kind of individual. And so, we, like, as I said, I mean, we used to live in the kind of society where, you know, if a man pushed around a woman, like we actually used to respect women and actually used to think that it was a man's job to protect women. Uh, but then now that we've smashed the patriarchy, essentially, one of the things that's happened is that um, women are basically identifying themselves as just being strong and courageous and independent and don't need men. Uh, to protect them and everything else. But it used to be that uh, men did feel like a moral sense of responsibility to stick up for a woman and to protect her. And part of the way that that, uh, that part of the shape that that actually took in a society is that if you saw a man, you know, going out there and, you know, beating up on women in sports, that he would be the subject of mockery and he would be the subject of ridicule. And Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, you have to think about uh, what's actually happening here and who are actually the victims as far as this goes. And so you're living in a society right now that are going to label us essentially to be, you know, basically hateful bigots and everything else. So, but the problem is that you have to have some sort of place for protecting women. And part of protecting women is to uh, rebuke very strongly these predatory males. And um, that's, you know, essentially what Jesus is doing with the Pharisees. He's rebuking these leaders who are preying upon the people at that point. And, and there are no, uh, it's like difficult to imagine a scenario that is uh, more fraught with um, uh, moral problems than the idea of a man essentially pretending to be a woman and dominating other women like that. Whatever that is, that is uh, the, uh, our moral indignation and outrage should be directed towards that kind of individual, not towards you know the patriarchy that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels wrong on a lot of different levels um, in terms of you know. You've got the guy coming in. He's ranked 462nd in men's college swimming. He all of a sudden realizes somehow magically he's a woman now, and he's number one instantly. <laughs> that feels really. I I mean, if you're just a you know, but you don't even know the difference. The thing is, you don't even know the difference between number one for him and the next girl. Do you know what I mean? I, explain what you mean a little bit. All right, so yeah, he's number one now as a woman, you know, you know, woman, right? Quote unquote. Uh, yeah, uh, but then like the problem is that like you don't even know what that would like, like the the gap there between him and the next girl. Oh, yeah. Like you don't, you wouldn't even know how to calculate that yeah. in terms of ranking because right. it's just in a different category yeah, in playing it, field. It's probably more like he's number one, and then the second place is probably more like number fifty. <laughs> so yeah, we I mentioned that in a um, I think a shorter episode essentially where. Uh, Serena Williams and Venus Williams were were basically saying that they could take um, a, a guy in the top two hundred or whatever, uh, but then the you know there was a there <laughs> it was a funny scenario because there's a guy I mean he's essentially washed up at, at the end of his career he was ranked two hundred one in tennis uh, Harrison he had a sprained ankle and he was hungover okay. <laughs> <laughs> He was, was at the end of his career, sprained ankle, uh, you know, hungover. And then he beats, uh, I think he beat Serena 6-1 and he beat Venus 6-2. Uh, but like, you have to understand something that does like, like male tennis players at the top of their game, they don't lose that badly <laughs> to each other, if you understand what I mean. And so right. like, that's just getting dominated. So you don't even know what, like, that's not to say, like you, you take a comparison like that, you, you don't even know what they would rank, you know, it's just off the charts level of difference. And that's the same thing happening with the swimming, swimming thing. Now, are, are you, are you just saying that because you're a hateful bigot and you think men are better than women in every way possible? Or is there another possible explanation as to why a man is naturally going to be more successful uh, when it comes to sports? If he, especially if he's competing directly against a woman, that's funny. I mean, what's funny about that kind of reaction, and that's the kind of reaction that people give, is uh, they will literally look at you, look you in the face, and call you a hateful bigot for trying to protect women. But then, uh, it, I, they are literally calling you a name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, like, when you think about like what's actually happening in that moment, they're actually like you know they're looking at you and calling you a hateful bigot for basically calling a 
you know, a transgender male, you know, a pathetic loser. And it's like they have no kind of self-awareness <laughs> right. to the, the fact that they're actually, you know, calling you a pejorative. So what are the rules here? You know, the rules are that pejoratives are mean and hateful and everything else. Then we should apply them across the board. But maybe it's possible that people can do things that are worthy of pejoratives. And so you like people certainly think I'm doing something worthy of a pejorative. So maybe it's possible then that the transgender guy is doing something worthy of the pejorative as far as that goes. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, like, you know, I actually care about women. And uh, because I care about women and want to protect women, I I don't want men to self-identify as being a woman and then to go into their locker rooms and to prey upon them uh, like some kind of creepy pervert, you know? So, and I don't want... um, like it's one of those things where it's just like there's been uh, because we respect women because we used to live in this kind of society that actually respected women and wanted to protect women. Then we've sheltered them from the cold hard realities of these differences between men and women in terms of physical strength and everything else. It's not the kind of thing that you really want to uh, expose or put um, uh, put into public light. Uh, so it, it's it's one of those things where when you, you know, because men do uh, so completely outmatch women in terms of just physical athleticism and strength and power and everything else. It's one of those things that like, you know, everyone knows what you, how you respond to these kind of things in general. So, you know, if you're, if you're the kind of guy who's essentially um, going out there and trying your hardest as you're playing, you know, three-year-olds and four-year-olds Everyone, <laughs> every everyone is going to look at that kind of guy and think, "Man, there's something wrong with you." Because you do want to kind of shelter, like the you want to shelter children, you know, from the cold hard realities of the differences between those kind of things. You don't want to actually humiliate people, and mm-hmm. like, and part of one of the things that's actually happening in this kind of scenario when we're putting these things on public display in this way is that we, we live in the kind of society that across the board, we're trying to shelter women and men from these brute realities. Right. And that's why it's kind of unthinkable. I mean, it's unthinkable to think of someone like actually like Mike Tyson or something going and bo- or boxing a woman. Right? Oh my gosh. No one actually wants to, no one wants to see he that. He would, he would go to jail for murder. Right. I mean, no one, no one wants to see that. And we're not like, there's no market for it. There's no market for it. And that's why, you know, when the, whatever the guy's name was who, uh, you know, identified as Fallon Fox started beating up on women in the UFC. I mean, it's just brutal and it's gruesome. And mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing that we don't, like, we try to protect everyone from. And so, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, who basically is just looking at this kind of thing and saying, hey, you know, we, um, I, I respect women and I want to protect them. And like, how do you protect them from these idiot males who, um, have are operating on some kind of you know inferiority complex that are you know trying to um, prove that, prove that they're worth something by picking on individuals who they hopelessly outmatch. Right now, part of our title question, the first half of it is: uh, Are the best women actually men? And if you were to go to USA Today um, or the NCAA. Right now, they would say, hey, you know what? The best women are actually men. Uh, you know, that's why we've given, you know, Woman of the Year awards out and we've given national titles that uh, are designated for the, the best woman to men instead. Um, so, Tim, Tim, what is your take on that question? USA Today says men make better women. The NCAA says men make better women. What do you think? Do you think men actually make better women? Well, I mean, I, I'm just one of these you know, primitive Stone Age kind of person, people <laughs> who, who essentially think that, uh, you know, Richard uh, Levine is just a hideous example of a woman and <laughs> just a grotesque uh, caricature. No, I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I, we're we're just engaging in insanity at this point, and uh, it's it's just it's it's one of the strangest kind of things that you can look at and see that like it, it's uh, it's like you're living in a bizarro world here. Yeah, yeah, it feels like clown world, you know. Yeah, to the... Oh, it must be opposite day today or something. Like that. <laughs> 
Like, what like, are we did, doing? A- yeah. did April 1st come early? <laughs> right. Is every day April 1st? And I mean, that's kind of the <laughs> what's happening when you look at the news. And the problem is that these are people who are serious. Like, this isn't a joke. Like, this isn't just like the worst kind of uh, SNL skit that you can possibly imagine. Right. Right. So, you know, I, yeah, I mean, are the best, uh, best, uh, uh, women actually men? Well, no, I mean, not in any way imaginable. Um, but if, if, um, you know, if we're intent upon living out this delusion, then, you know, I don't, I don't know where this is going to end up, but yep. Unfortunately, I think we're in the minority. (laughs) I think that, I think, well, I think that there's a, there's a majority of people know that it's bizarre world and clown world, but then they just are far too afraid to even comment on, you know, the uh, uh, cold, hard uh, facts on the ground. I mean, I think Babylon B just got um, um, banned banned from Twitter, essentially, for... Yeah, they did. ...declaring uh, R- Richard to be man of the year. So, who knows? Uh, <laughs> we probably don't have a big enough following yet to get banned. No. But, uh, it, it, but uh, we'll see. We're trying our best. That's that's for sure. <laughs> right, but I mean, the point though is just that you can't just subjectively decide on your own whim just to be a member of the opposite gender, and and you know you can you can force people by coercion to play pretend, uh, but that's all that's happening. Everyone knows that uh, Richard Levine has like like he's uh, he's just a you know a pathetic loser dude that uh, really. Uh, you know, if he lived in a past society, he would have uh, had, you know, past society that actually cared about women would have been the subject of mockery and, you know, um, had some uh, guy friends straighten him out a little bit. But now we're in a society that can't see the obvious. Now, a lot of people, they, they argue that these guys are actually women, you know, based off of different, um, I guess, quote unquote, you know, scientific reasons you know whether it be like (laughs) psychology or um it be like a a chemical you know they don't have the right balance of chemicals in their body or even sometimes i'm i'm not sure if this is the case for either of these two guys but there there i have seen stories where people talk about hey like in some way shape or form you know my like i was deformed when it came to like my genitalia when I was born or or whatever they have all these like quote unquote scientific reasons uh, for why they can now choose to be what the opposite sex um, so Tim <clears throat> is that is that actually like a legit thing uh, like is there actual you know <laughs> real solid science that would suggest that for instance, a man can actually become a woman or, you know, vice versa. A woman could become a man. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> it feels like a joke. It feels like a joke question, honestly. It feels like a joke oh. question. <laughs> I don't know how you, you ask that question so seriously. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, hey, society's I giving me a lot of practice with all of this ridiculous stuff we've been talking about. <laughs> oh man! Oh, well, I'm crying. Get it together, Tim. Get it together. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, recover. <laughs> oh. We're gonna have to cut some of it out. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> I'm not oh. cutting any of this out, Tim. I'm leaving this for everybody to hear. Oh, oh man. I mean, there's like this is one of the most well-attested like facts of science that's uh, possible. You know, you're, a- that. you're actually crying. <laughs> oh. It's like, um, you know, it's one of those things that we're going to have to, like, mark this not for kids. But, uh, you know, boys have penises and girls have vaginas. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of thing. I mean, it's just like there's, um, you know, obvious physical differences that any, you know, 
any anyone looking at science would know. I mean, women have ovaries, men have testicles. It's uh, my goodness, like uh, like it's it's one of the most well attested facts of science that uh, men and female are different. In the beginning, God made them male and female, and and so uh, you know, for um, I guess. Um, you know, it's it's it can be pretty confusing to be a science denier, I guess, <laughs> living in this society right now. But yeah, so there's, I mean, there's no like there's no scientific evidence to show that an individual, you know, can be a member of the opposite sex. I mean, it really is so convoluted at this point that it's just a joke. I mean, it's just so convoluted. Like um, one of the things that's happened is that feminism has supposedly taught us that all of these gender stereotypes are essentially nonsensical. So, I mean, so essentially that gender is just this social construct. It's just um, uh, something that we just invented, a a figment of our imagination that male and female are essentially the same. Uh, But then what happens is that if Bruce Jenner wants to become Caitlyn or whatever, what he does is he essentially claims all of these like um, hopelessly outdated stereotypes and, and turns himself into a gaudy pinup model. Uh, that's what happens. So, uh, but the problem is that you can't like the, you have to pick your worldview. You know, is gender a social construct or is like are are or are these gender stereotypes real? And and so then you're living in a world right now that basically they only have like biological explanations for phenomenon that's the problem so if everything has to be explained in terms of some kind of genetic or biological explanation then you look at like a you know a subclass of uh humans who essentially are um feel as if they uh uh you know were born the wrong sex or something like that then you know they must be suffering from some sort of gender dysphoria to use the older language and then um and and then like it must be some kind of biological problem as far as that's concerned but then what's you know interesting about it is that the more that this you know delusion sweeps over society more and more individuals are identifying as you know basically a different gender than their biological gender or biological sex and so uh, you know, right now, uh, essentially what's happening is you only have biological explanations that are allowed for these kind of things. You can't treat it like it's a spiritual problem. And it used to be that we thought of it, you know, essentially as a, uh, you know, a moral problem and then a psychological problem. And now it's just, a, you know, alternate, you know, biology at that point. Yeah, now, now it's I, not even a problem. Yeah, it's not even a problem. It's just, a, you know, a, just a there must be some kind of genetic difference or biological difference at that point, but it's all a joke. I mean, it's, it's, it's a joke, man. Yeah. If, if you believe in, and if you believe the idea that a man can become a woman, essentially you've just become a science denier. I mean, all it takes is just, you know, looking at it in terms of like what chromosomes do you have? There's only, there's only two letters, you know, it's not that hard to follow. You either have uh, two X's or an X and a Y. And that's it, you know, that, that determines whether you're a guy or a girl, you know, <laughs> and, if you believe the science, right? <laughs> yeah, if, if you love science and you believe in science, then it's that simple, really. Yeah, it's um, not hard. Um, look at the anatomy, man. <laughs> look, yeah, just, you know, look downstairs and, and you'll figure it out real quick. Uh, all right. So, so the science is, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's essentially a joke question at this point. Okay. Um, okay. um all right, so moving on from the science, you know, is there any sort of biblical, uh, you know, basis for uh, a man looking at himself and saying, "Hey, you know what? No, I'm a woman now." Or, or is it instead when we read the Bible, you know, it clearly tells us there's there's two genders, you know, uh, there's only two. There's not like a spectrum. There's only two. And whichever one you are, that's the one you are, and there's no changing it. You know what? What exactly does the does the Bible tell us in terms of uh, gender and how our society views gender right now? Yeah, I mean, God, you know, Genesis one twenty seven. So God created man in His own image, and the image of God He created them, uh, male and female He created them. So uh, Bible opens up uh, with these words essentially: God makes man and woman woman in His own image, and they are distinct. Uh, creations of God, and 
you know, Jesus points this out in Matthew nineteen four, where he says, "Have you not read, he who created them from the beginning made them male and made them female?" So, like, there is no wiggle room there biblically. This is this is a settled biblical issue that really doesn't require a whole lot of um, complicated her- hermeneutics to understand. Yeah, pretty open and shut. Right, God made men and God made women, and I mean, I, you look at. <laughs> You don't even really need the Bible to tell you that. I mean, my goodness, just use your eyes, man. <laughs> like, I mean, use your eyes. Like, women are very different to look at than men. Uh, and, you know, everyone knows that. Uh, you know, even little kids know that. We're uh, just playing stupid at this point. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's nothing in the Bible that would um, seem to indicate that, uh, you know, um, there, there's this possibility that there could be... Uh, man uh, like a woman who's trapped in a man's body in fact the bible would uh you know we talked about this in our episode on men bonds but uh there there's essentially uh, the bible would prohibit men from wearing garments related to a woman or mm-hmm. call it abomination and and it's the kind of thing that god acts in judgment on a society about the same thing if a woman wears a garment pertaining to a man that's considered an, an abomination and it's these kind of abominations that the lord uh, uh, causes the Lord to act in judgment and to, you know, remove a, a society. And so, um, these um, it, it, playing pretend at this level is is a significant moral issue that um, angers God. Right. Yeah. God condemns effeminate men. So um, it seems pretty. I mean, it seems pretty open and shut. Well, I mean that that's. I mean. That's condemning even, you know, acting like a member of the opposite sex or wearing, Mm -hmm, right? you know, so acting like a member of the opposite sex or wearing garments or clothing or hairstyles related to members of the opposite sex. But then if you take it one step further and you're identifying as a member of the opposite sex, like that's like blasphemy upon blasphemy, like Mm -hmm. that's next level, you know, blasphemy there. So, so the person you know, like William Thomas uh, or Richard Levine, who they're they're biological men. They're just they're men, but then they're and you know they are because they can't have a baby, right? Yeah, I mean, there's so many there's so many just easy ways to instantly know, even when they're even when they're dressing like women. And I mean, you look at the picture of well, my Boy, little kid, William. My kids know that, man. My right. kids know that. They're like, "Why is that man like pretending to be a woman?" You right. Know? I mean, you just look Hateful at the kids. Just <laughs> look at the picture of William Thomas and his, you know, one piece, you know, ba- a bathing suit that he's he's racing in. I mean, it's a it's a woman's Adam's bathing apple suit. Gives it away. But then <laughs> the Adam's apple is what gives it away. Yeah, no, there. Well, I mean, he's standing the in the jaw, the jawline, the shoulders, <laughs> the apple, Adam's apple. Yeah, like, and, and the, the fact, and the fact that his his genitalia is hanging out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, I mean, it's definitely not for kids. Yeah, this this one's uh, yeah, eighteen and up, I guess. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's just clear at every level that. These are not actual women, and and it's it feels. Not only are we told, you know, hey, the Bible tells us it's wrong. You know, science totally disagrees uh, with the idea that you can change your sex. But then, besides those, you know, besides those things, it just it feels icky and gross uh, to even look at. Um, so so for someone to so for someone to you know, go out in public and proclaim these things and, and let every news outlet um, talk about them, you know, so that everyone in the world knows exactly what they're saying. They're claiming that they're actually women now, something that would be totally shameful in any other society, you know, in history past. Something clearly, something has to be, you know, fundamentally wrong with you. If you're, yeah, I mean, if you're willing, Philippians three nineteen says they're in this destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. Right, right. So, so Tim, what I wanted to ask you is, you know, for someone to want to say something like this, for them to really, I mean, pretty much just change their life forever. No one's going to view you the same, even if you, even if you go back, even if you say, hey, you know, I realized it was all wrong. No one's going to view you the same after this. So, Tim, they're obviously messed up in some way. How what what happened? What has to happen to a person to um, get 
to get them to that point where they say, Hey, you know what? I'm a woman now. And don't you dare question it. You know, Oh, what gets a person to that point? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you have um, different explanations for it. So as a society, we've transitioned in uh, from different, uh, from older understandings of these things into, uh, you know, there's been various stages along the line, but I mean, you used to call the kind of guy who, you know, snuck into his, uh, mom's room and put on a bra or something like that you call him like a creepy pervert or something along those lines so you you, you would use a pejorative as it relates to that i mean you would there would be mockery and i mean you would think that that's fundamentally a perversion that 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 was a moral problem that was happening mm-hmm. uh, as far as that's concerned uh, with uh with the uh, rise of a psychological worldview one of the things that happened was that transgenderism or gender dysphoria was viewed as a mental illness. So, um, so you know, all of these deviant sexual behaviors, they're viewed as mental illness. And then that basically, like the idea of mental illness is like um, essentially some kind of quasi-biological problem, essentially. And so it's not, it's not moral language, it's biological language that's happening there at that point. Uh, and then, um, then, you know, now what's happening is that we're transitioning away from considering it like a mental problem or a sign of mental illness. And now we're basically considering it just normal, you know, like just embracing it at that point. But then, you know, individuals like Matt Walsh are still using what's funny is like you have conservatives who are against this, like individuals like Matt Walsh, and they'll they'll basically say that something like as they're trying to stand against the transgender movement, they'll basically say, Hey, this is mental illness. So they're stopping at step two, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And like these people should be pitied and instead of like condemned, like they should be pitied and they need like, you know, professional psychological help or something along those lines. But that isn't far enough. I mean, this is a moral problem. Like this is moral perversion. Uh, this is uh, you know, the idea of perversion is like the idea of uh, something being crooked, essentially. And it, it's such a fundamental violation of God's basic design for humanity that it's, it's deviant as far as that's concerned. But you know how people get here is like this isn't like a biological problem. This isn't a brain problem. Um, this is so contrary to the, you know, mental illness kind of view of it. This is a moral issue. And I mean, Romans one essentially tells us uh, what happens. I mean, when individuals give themselves over to um, sin, I mean, when uh, when individuals refuse to acknowledge God in their thoughts, uh, you know, instead, you know, although we knew God, we didn't glorify Him or give thanks. Uh, it became futile in our thoughts, and our foolish hearts became darkened. Uh, God will give a society over to just uh, various degrees of depravity, and that's the way it works. And so, I mean, we're a society right now that is addicted to porn. Uh, and like the more and more that we, um, view sexual perversion, uh, the more and more we're shaped by it, the more and more that uh, God gives us over to it. So I think uh, a large, a big problem with all of this is the, the, um, pervasive nature of porn that's actually happening. Uh, but then fundamentally, even beyond that is that God is giving us our society over to, you know, lawless and shameless acts, uh, in, in such a way that uh, basically he's just removing his restraining hand and giving us over to iniquity as far as that goes and removing his common grace at that point. And so we're rushing headlong into perversion and this is just a manifestation of it. So to summarize, basically it, it's a sin issue at the heart of it on a societal level and on an individual level. It's a sin issue, yeah. It's a, yep. So in light of that, you know, what do we do? What do we as Christians do uh, to help fix the problem? So, you know, at so how how do we help fix the problem at a societal level, and then how do we help, you know, individuals who are, you know, going so far as to put on, you know, men putting on women's clothes and and traipsing around and and demanding that everyone praise them for it. Yeah, I don't know that there's some kind of uh, political solution that's going to happen here. I mean, fundamentally, we need repentance. And so when God gives a society over to insanity uh, to do things that are not fitting, um, you know, fundamentally what's happening there is that um, we need repentance. We need to acknowledge God in our hearts. We need to turn back to Jesus. And I mean, the best thing that we can do as a society is to, you know, preach the gospel, to encourage people to repent of their sins and believe the good news. And so there's there's that. Uh, I think um, 
there's there's also uh, along with that, not to uh, that that's that's what's primary. But then there's also secondary things that are helpful too, uh, in that um, that that go hand in hand with that. Not to replace that or just uh, um, su- supplant that. But I mean, I think often uh, or one of the things you're gonna find is that we're limiting a society right now that deeply lacks courage and we need people to essentially call a spade a spade and, and we're living in a you know an emperor's new clothes kind of scenario a society-wide emperor's new clothes kind of scenario essentially where you know the uh, emperor is coming up with uh, and parading his uh, majesty and glory with his new outfit and there's no outfit to be had here and and you know, part of part of the way things actually work is that you know, often all it takes is just for people to chuckle a little bit, and you know, once one person starts to chuckle, then a lot of people start to chuckle, because everyone knows it's insane, you know. And I think a lot of us know it's insane. We're just so afraid to say it's insane, uh, you know, as a society. And we need to quit. You know, we need to take the kids' gloves off, and we need to actually call it what it is and we need more people who are willing just to say hey you know go ahead and cancel me do whatever you want to do take away my job take away whatever but i'm not going to pretend like this man is like a better woman or something like that i'm not going to i'm not going to play pretend i'm not going to engage in this kind of fantasy this is insane and this is you know crazy and and uh you know god's real and he exists he made individuals male and female and uh, he makes the rules, not you, and this is lunacy. So, I mean, I think the more that we can um, share the gospel to people and quit being so afraid of our enemies, the, the, those are the, I mean, the hope that we have for our society to change. So, you know, courageously and boldly, you know, stand against these things, call them what they are, and then call people to repentance. About call it. people to repentance, preach yeah. the gospel kind of thing. Um, Getting a little more specific, I remember in my first semester of seminary, I was taking a uh, family counseling class, and and I don't remember why we were talking about this, but I think we were talking about um, the issue of should Christians who are uh, witnessing to you know people who have some kind of gender dysphoria um, should they refer to their preferred pronouns or should they call them by their, you know, normal birth name? Um, so if you have a guy who's pretending to be a girl, the question is, should you call him a him or a her? And should you call him, you know, uh, Joe or Jane, you know, wh- which one do you call them? And I remember it was kind of a, I, w- I was sort of uninitiated at that point. And so I remember thinking, man, I don't even know what I would do. And I had, uh, you know, peers on both sides who are kind of arguing for both things. So it seems like in the Christian world, at least from uh, in my experience, there's not really a consensus amongst Christians in terms of uh, uh, what they should do with that. I've, I mean, I know I know Christians who do not agree with uh, what's going on right now as it relates to uh, gender dysphoria, but then. They still would say, "Hey, just call." If they say they're a her, then call them a her, you know. And you know it's not real, but just do it because you want to. You want to show compassion to them and, and win them over. So, what in terms of like, hey, we need to help stop this craziness from that's going on. And the way that we do that is the power of the gospel. Well, and inevitably, you're going to run into the issue of, of pronouns with these people. So what should the Christian's response be? Should they use their preferred pronouns or not? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that an individual should ever use pronouns for <laughs> another individual. Their so, preferred pronouns? I mean, that's just you're just engaging in nonsense right there, and you're butchering the human language uh, or the English language beyond or whatever language you're happening to use. At that point, beyond uh, belief. So, I mean, part of what's happening is the left is basically taking control of the dictionary and demanded that we speak uh, what they want us to speak. And so, we shouldn't lie to people. This is not a yeah, he. This is or this is not a she. This is a he. Or if it's the opposite, it's not a she. It's a he. Or you know, it's not a he. It's a she. Whatever. Uh, but basically, uh, with the pronoun kind of issue, like that's pretty simple um, kind of. No, I'm not going to call you a he, her, or zur, or 
him or, or Zay or whatever, whatever <laughs> these things are. We're just, we're not going to play pretend. Um, and I think a lot of, in a lot of situations like that, you can kind of um, avoid it. Although uh, I think it gets more complicated in third person speech. Um, but you know, with you, with you, uh, you and them alone, it can be kind of easy to avoid even talking about that kind of issue related to the pronouns. But isn't it kind should. of unloving? You know, I mean, that's what some people would say. Hey, it's it's unloving. You know, just meet them where where they're at, kind of thing. That that would be the objection to what you're saying. Well, we're living right now in a time where essentially we're being told that we have to lie to people in order to make them feel better. And we've done that for many years as it relates to just male-female interactions. Uh, so I can't tell you how many times that I've heard, you know, pastors basically tell a man that, you know, when his wife is upset, just say you're sorry, right? Just say you're sorry, even if you didn't do anything wrong. And so we have we have this uh, bad habit in the church of essentially uh, catering to people's feelings and um, lying to people is never the answer. The Bible says the truth will set you free. It's not lies that are going to set you free. Uh, but then we did that during COVID. We basically just lied to each other and told each other that, hey, you know, six feet apart is going to keep us all safe from this airborne virus. And that, you know, this little <laughs> plastic plastic barrier, you know, I saw some situations where interview, people are having interviews and they have this little plastic barrier up mm-hmm. between themselves with air all around the plastic barrier. And it's like, you have to deny science and pretend like uh, this barrier is uh, doing anything at all. Uh, right to help you and you know we've engaged in this mask wearing nonsense even though we know that uh, these uh, airborne viruses are it's like throwing a BB through a tennis racket it's insane and so but then what what's happening is that we're we've adopted this broader policy in society of it, you lie to people in order to make them feel better is what you do and you do that across the board and what matters is how people feel not about what's actually true in any given situation uh, so then when it comes to an issue like this, then, you know, it's like, hey, you know, just just lie to them, man. Just go, just tell them what, tell them, um, tell them what they want to hear, you know, quit being so mean, quit being so rude, uh, meet them where they're at, whatever. But the problem is the Bible says the truth will set you free. So it's the truth will set you free. It's not lies. Uh, we're helped. Like, the devil is a father of lies and he speaks of, uh, you know, he speaks um uh, as he does, and his children speak the same way. And so if we are have the Lord, we're going to be speaking the truth to these individuals, and that's the only loving thing to actually do. Because, I mean, like, what what, what needs to happen is you need to call them to repentance. Like, their only hope is repentance, man. And they're not going to be repenting if you're constantly, you know, basically... Feeding into the lie. Yeah, so pr- pronoun issue is uh, fairly simple. I think the naming issue is a little more complicated, but... Um, I, I try to make it my policy. Just I'll I'll make it uh, as simple as I can. I try to make it my policy to dead name as much as possible. <laughs> so. so avoid the pronouns, but you dead name them as much as you can. <laughs> yeah, man. Like you got to, you know. I I like I'll call Bruce Bruce. Um, you know, part of the problem though is sometimes you don't actually know what their name actually is, um, and so then you're in right. a bit of a pickle. If uh, now their new legal name is this female name instead of like, um, you know, the name assigned to them at birth. And then the reality is that you can uh, essentially, you know, I mean, we do have precedent for people changing their names. And there are individuals who have like male names. Uh, you know, there are males who have female names and are gender ambiguous names and everything else. But, uh, you know, I, I think in general... Um, Probably the safest thing to do in that kind of scenario is to refer to them as like a creepy pervert or, you know, man who identifies as a woman or something like that. That would probably be the like the most faithful thing. The um, most faithful the thing. The most faithful thing is to say this pervert over here or this, you know, uh, this uh, man pretending to be a woman, that would probably be the most loving and helpful and safe thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's, you know, there's um, plenty of situations that... Uh, uh, there, you know, that's easier to say in the South than it is in a place where you might lose your job for doing that kind of thing. Right. But, uh, but I would say, yeah, morally, the safest thing to do is just to call him a creepy pervert. Essen- essentially, just saying, like, hey, the loving thing is never going to be to lie to someone. Uh, yeah. The loving thing is going to be to tell the truth to that person, 
Right. 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 Okay. Well, what about when it comes to the actual term transgender? Uh, I mean, doesn't it kind of feel like if if you're calling the person a transgender person, you're kind of conceding the point already in a way? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think my I think it's best just to say man pretending to be a woman or something like that or pervert. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Keeping it simple. You're, you're, you're doing the, the kiss method. <laughs> Keep it simple, man. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I always cringe when people use the term transgender, like a male or something like that, uh, or a transgender person, you know, even if they're, um, uh, even, I, I just, I just cringe because it's like conceding the point and it's conceding the argument that this actually is a thing that actually exists. I mean, and this, it's not, this is just a person like this is a man, you know, if this is a man, it's a man. If it's a woman, it's a woman and they're just pretending and no amount of plastic surgery is going to help. It, mm-hmm. You know, they, they are what they are. And we, we, I think we should try to avoid that term as much as possible. Um, and, um, you know, if we do use it, always make qualifications, you know, so-called transgenderism or something like that, just to communicate mm-hmm. clearly. But we should try to avoid it. Um, the next question I have is, you know, okay, so this is a bad thing. We need to tell people the truth as much as possible. We don't need to feed into the lie. So that basically assumes the idea that we need to be confronting uh you know people who are claiming to be the opposite sex uh right i'm right in that right well i mean yeah certainly certainly there's some confrontation needed right um so how far i mean you know how far out of your way do you need to go uh in terms of that <laughs> that confronting people. So for example, I live, you know, well, we, I mean, we both live in a town where like there's, there's, def- there's, yeah, it's essentially, it, that's essentially <laughs> what it is. I mean, it's pretty awful. Um, uh, because of, you know, it's a college town. The university is very liberal overall. Uh, and so there's plenty of people who are, I see guys all of the time who are wearing dresses and walking down the street, you know, so I'll see, I'll see them. I'll walk past them. I'll think, Oh, that was like, I'll kind of shudder a little bit. Cause that was, it's really gross to look at seeing a man trying to be a woman and failing. Um, so in that kind of scenario, uh, you know, should I be the, should I be the person who like stops them and says, Hey, like, it looks like you're, it looks like you're trying to pretend you're a woman. You're not a woman. Like I mean, obviously, you know, you have a moral responsibility, Har- uh, Harrison. That as you're driving your car, to stop it in the middle of the road and jump out and <laughs> say, <laughs> "Excuse me, <laughs> man, pretending to be a woman." Um, no, I mean, I, I don't think that there's some moral responsibility to confront every act of uh, sin that you see um, in in terms of uh, how those things work. I mean, there are a variety of um, uh, considerations that are happening. And, and I mean, I think if, if there's some, I mean, if there's some moral responsibility to confront every act of sin that you ever see, um, you're, you're kind of in trouble because there's no end to it. And right. There's no, so I don't, I, I obviously I don't think that there's some moral responsibility. I mean, there's a certain sense in which it's like, Hey, we don't judge those who are on the outside, but we judge those who are in, on the inside. And like church discipline proper, uh, Matthew 18 applies to, um, Essentially, you know, if you see your brother in sin, you confront him, you tell him his fault between you and him alone. So we have, like, there are um, degrees of responsibility in terms of how those things work. And uh, when you have individuals in your own church naming the name of Christ, engaging in a clear, uh, uh, unambiguous sin, there's a moral responsibility to uh, confront that in a more direct way than, you know, every instance of sin that you're going to see in the world. And now, I mean, I wouldn't retreat to some kind of subjective, like charismatic, uh, just let the Holy Spirit tell you when to, you know. <laughs> when to brush their hair. <laughs> when to brush their hair kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you you know, if you love them, you're going to talk to them. 
um, particularly if there's an occasion and an opportunity. And I would even think you need to try to make occasions and make opportunities and be praying for that too. Uh, but there's certainly some kind of wisdom in um, figuring out how to navigate those kind of scenarios. But I mean, certainly you're living in a society right now that you can get sued uh, for doing that. And, um, and you know, Christians need to be more bold and count the cost uh, as far as those things are concerned. And, uh, you know, or we'll just get pushed into our ghettos until we're, you know, surrounded Um like a lot put on our striped pajamas <laughs> basically <laughs> basically so I, I think we need to be confronting a lot more than what we actually do and if we actually love people we would be confronting a lot more than what we're actually doing and we're mm-hmm. probably uh, much more cowardice than like our central failing at this point is that we're cowards not that we're overly confronting uh, all of these things but you know uh, I think that's true across the board but we, we do need to um, we do need to be more bold as far as these things are concerned, be willing to suffer for it. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think that all makes a lot of sense overall. Um, you know, in closing, you know, is there anything else that you want to say that you feel like maybe we, we need to make sure is said in this, on this topic? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, as you think through the, just the topic question in general or, um, are the 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 best the best women actually men? I mean, it's we're we're living in such an insane society right now that it's just difficult to comprehend the level of foolishness that we're actually engaging in, and it's just uh, it's crazy to think that everything that the Bible um, advocates for. I mean, the Bible does advocate for you know male leadership in the world, in church, in the home. Uh, but then we view that as fundamentally problematic, and we think of men as fundamentally the villains in almost every single interaction and the oppressors. And this is just—it was funny—is that these this is obvious. These are obvious examples of oppression by men. <laughs> like when you think about uh, these examples of individuals engaging in women's sports, and you think about these examples of, you know. Uh, you know, a man being named a woman of the year, we've we've kind of uh, lost our mind. And this is what happens when you just embrace like a series of uh, nonsensical uh, propositions that we're like, it's such a mess at this point. And like there, there's no unraveling it. None of it makes any sense. You know, uh, none of it makes sense. And, and uh, feminine, you can't combine feminism and transgenderism. They're fundamentally different uh, philosophies. And we just, we've, we're in insane world, but I mean, I think it, it is one of those things where it's just like, obviously we need to have compassion and pity for these people who are caught up in uh, these kind of delusions. And I mean, they're the kind of delusions that you go, you, you know, you, there's going to be a plague of individuals who have transitioned their gender, you know, uh, quote unquote, uh, there's going to be a, a plague of individuals you know, basically who have, removed any hope they ever have of having children or having a normal relationship with a member of the opposite sex uh, because they got caught up in these kind of delusions and they you know took these hormones and they've surgically altered themselves and and I mean it's sad to think about and like it's um yeah uh, and so I mean we, we should be burdened for them and be willing to speak the truth and love to them and share the gospel with them and part of that is going to involve confronting them about what they're doing yeah Okay. Well, I think that's a good place for us to stop overall. So hopefully this has been a helpful ep- episode for you guys. And, uh, you know, for those out there that are listening, that are, you know, either tempted uh, to pretend to be the opposite sex or are currently pretending to be the opposite sex, we want to implore you guys uh, to, I say guys, <laughs> hopefully that didn't offend anyone or whatever, but, you know, we want to implore you um to hear the gospel, you know, to hear the gospel proclaimed and to repent, to realize that what's going on is wrong and it's sinful and it dishonors God and it, and you're in rebellion against him. But and you can be forgiven, right? Right, but you can be forgiven if you realize those things, if you humble yourself and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that your ways are are evil and wrong, just like I mean everyone's ways are evil and wrong. Uh no, no one is righteous. Uh, no, not one. Uh, and so, so if you can realize that and and turn away from from this evil thing, uh, not only will you avoid a life of heartache and disappointment, 
you'll you'll experience forgiveness and new life uh, through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection if you can turn from these things. And so there's hope there. It's not just you know condemnation after condemnation. There's hope uh, if you can humble yourself and in faith uh, trust in God's promises. And for those of you who are listening, who probably who might know someone who is um, who is dealing with uh, you know gender dysphoria or whatever you want to call it, we want to call you to call on you to be bold and and share the truth with them because. Uh, if, if you love them, that's what you'll do. You'll share the gospel with them. You'll plead with them to turn away uh, from these things that ultimately do nothing but destroy in every way possible. So hopefully this has been a, a helpful episode and an encouraging episode for you guys. And uh, we want to thank you for listening and look forward to seeing you on the next one. This has been another episode of Bible Bashed. We hope you have been encouraged and blessed through our discussion. We thank you for all your support and ask you to continue to like and subscribe to Bible Bashed and share our podcast with your friends and on social media. Please reach out to us with your questions, pushback, and potential topics for us to discuss in future episodes at BibleBashedPodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting us through Patreon. If you would like to be Bible Bashed personally, then please know that we also offer free biblical counseling, which you can take advantage of by emailing us. Now, Go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.